Throughout the Bible, there's a principle that people use to change things with only their words. I'm going to show you how you can use it to change yourself, your situations, and even your loved ones. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil and creator of the Shut Up Devil app. I'm all about shutting down the lies and the struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life. And I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience. I'd love for you to join me live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org live. In the beginning, when God spoke everything into existence, he programmed all of creation to react to the spoken word. The book of Hebrews says that all of creation is upheld by his word, even intangible things like emotions and purpose and destiny, situations, they're all affected by words. So I'm telling you here, if you'll really tune in and you'll really get what I'm gonna give you in this message, this principle may just be the beginning of a real change, not only in you, but also in loved ones and maybe not so loved ones that you are praying for. I'll tell you, in, in my life, the power of words is at the core of me overcoming a lot of the shame and the shyness and the mind games that plagued me for so long. Words have a whole lot to do with why I'm talking to you right now. They changed me. Proverbs 18 verses 20 and 21 describes their power. It says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring life or death. Sadly, I'd say that most of us know the death that words can bring, right? One negative word, what the Bible calls a curse word, has the power to kill a dream, wound a soul, put someone in depression, sometimes for the rest of their lives. I mean, don't you have some things that were said to you all the way back to childhood probably that you still remember and maybe even fear even decades later? I'd say we all do. To this day, I can still recall some of the demoralizing things my fifth grade teacher said to me and to the rest of the class. She was a mean thing. I can remember some of the things other kids said to me, some of the names I was called, all kinds of different things that for too many years were at the root of a lot of the insecurities that I held. Now, thankfully, though I can recall words that were said because of what I'm about to teach you. They don't affect me anymore. Yeah, they're a piece of my past, but they no longer cause me shame. Now I live in the life that positive words have given me, both my own words and the words of other people. I really remember the start of when I felt this life from words. It was when I was 16 years old. I entered a brand new church as a very insecure, timid, shame-ridden sophomore in high school. I went with two friends to their youth group. And because it was the first time I ever really felt any power and real love in a church building, I kept going. And of course, the power of God's word spoken not just at me, but into me, that began to bud new life in me that didn't take long to spark confidence. And people there saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Leaders there begin to affirm me with their words and their actions. I don't even know if they knew exactly what they were doing. Except there's this principle that Jesus spoke of that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I think these people just had been the recipients of 
words of life themselves, that words of life just naturally flowed out of them. That's how this is all supposed to work. What they were doing and probably didn't even realize is that they were blessing me. And my physical self was positively reacting to those positive words, but also my spirit was reacting to those words. So I grew in natural and spiritual confidence. Now let me briefly show you how this works for both the scientific and spiritual perspective. I'm going to pull out my chart here. I've used this one before. This is what I call the mind and mouth connection. You'll see at the top is a mouth which represents words. At the bottom is a brain filled with thoughts, but spiritually also includes your beliefs. This is your mind, the mind and mouth connection, all very connected in this cycle. What you hear, either from your own mouth or someone else's, influences both your thoughts and your beliefs, and then what you think and believe about yourself influences what you say about yourself and how you hear what others say about you. I go through the specifics of this mind and mouth connection in my Win With Words series. But here's the gist, okay? If someone says to you, you are stupid, that kind of thing gets planted into your mind as both thoughts and beliefs. And if you don't know how to counteract it, that single curse word will echo in you until you start to say it yourself. And it'll cause you to hear it even in innocent things people say. And the cycle goes on and on and on. That's how words bring death, as the Bible says. But that all can be counteracted and reversed. That's the amazing thing about the power that God put into words. Words can build. That's kind of the introductory principle to the entire Bible. Genesis 1 says that when the earth was formless and empty and dark, God spoke. His words brought life to everything. When someone speaks a positive word into you, you don't even have to believe it at first. But your brain will react and your spirit will too. And when that happens enough, you'll actually start to speak it yourself. And that'll get into you and out of you and into you and out of you. And the momentum just builds. That's how you reverse that mind and mouth connection to make it positive. But here's a hack for you. Okay? Hack for a positive life of joy, peace, confidence, and courage that so many people don't realize. Of course, it's great when other people speak life into you, but I'll say sadly, because so many people are hurting these days, you can't count on that. Too many of us are waiting for someone else to bless us, when as I've been saying, your own words have the same power to bless yourself. Your body and your spirit will react the same to your own words as they will to what someone else says. Actually, science is now starting to say that. They've studied this stuff. You react more to what you say than what somebody else says. So if you're feeling hopeless or purposeless or discouraged, even if you can't muster up something good to say about yourself or your situation, find a word that does. God's word is the best. It's filled with them. My Shut Up Devil app categorizes those words from God into common situations that we all face to speak directly to those things. However you find a word, read it out loud and keep reading it out loud until you recognize it doing something in you. It will in time, even if it doesn't feel like it for a while. It is doing something in you. The word of God will not return void. Now in a minute, we're going to get into a very specific way to do this. 
which is described all throughout the Bible. I mean, time and time again, you're going to see it. But also let me say this. I think we all have people in our lives that are in some pretty bad places, maybe literally, maybe emotionally or spiritually. Could be your children, could be your parents, could be your friends. But I'm telling you, if you will find opportunities to speak life into them, tell them how beautiful they are, tell them how much they're loved, tell them how proud of them you are, they might shrug it off at first or for a while. They might even react negatively to it. It might seem like your words are falling on deaf ears. But don't stop. Those words are doing something. They are being laid down one by one in their souls like building blocks of a life. We'll talk a bit more about how that works in a loved one's life later in this message. But for now, just know, not only can you change yourself with words, but you can literally change someone else too. Okay. I mentioned that the Bible frequently demonstrates a very specific way to change things with your words. And here again, we see it right at the beginning, particularly in how God spoke to us humans. Look at Genesis 1 verses 27. I'm going to read it here. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That right there is one of the most value-ascribing verses in the entire Bible, I think. That we were each made in the image of God. Well, that is at the foundation of why God loves every single one of us, even those who don't love Him back. There's an image in us that looks like God. But look what God did next. He didn't give us a list of don'ts. He didn't give us a list of warnings, a list of cautions here. He spoke destiny. Genesis 1.28, it says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God blessed them. Blessed is the key word there, and it's what we're going to spend the rest of this message exploring, because blessings are how you change things with your words. I know a lot of us have heard the term blessing. It's become a bit of a casual word, not only in the church world, but also in the world in general. People sneeze and most people, whether they're a believer or not, instantly respond, bless you. We say that something or someone is a blessing in our lives. We say that someone blessed us or we say the blessing before eating a meal. But really, so much of that isn't at all what a blessing is, at least not as it's described and demonstrated in the Bible. And so by misunderstanding it, we are missing out on its power. A blessing isn't another way to just say thanks. It's not giving or receiving some material thing. It doesn't mean someone was nice to you or that you're nice to someone. It's so much more than any of that. In both the Old and the New Testaments, a blessing is really a means of speaking speaking, particularly identity, purpose, and meaning upon something. A blessing is also seen as the confirmation of a promise. It's kind of a let it be statement. A blessing is also seen as a way of bringing God's presence into a situation. Jewish sources talk about it as a way of directing God's goodness toward things. There's even a blessing that God wrote himself 
which I'll share and speak over you in the final thought of this message, so stay with me. But there are so many practical ways that this all works out, which is what we're going to get into. Now, I want to show you some examples of this in Scripture. And through these, you're going to see how you can construct blessings for your own lives and for others. In Genesis, when it said that God blessed humans, what he did was speak purpose into them. That's what be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, is all about. It was kind of God's pep talk that instilled into them who they are. We all know that words from parents, just like in I'm proud of you, can do so much for us. That's because we're designed to be affirmed by those who created us. But greater than our parents is the affirmation of our ultimate creator, God himself. In the creation story, I kind of think of God's blessing here as him loading in the operating system of a computer. Their physical bodies were already created. The hardware was there. But how they were to operate and interpret everything that they saw and heard and did was governed by this blessing that God gave them. It was the same for Jesus. It's what governed his entire ministry. It's what started it, really. In Matthew 3, he was being baptized by John the Baptist. He came up out of the water, and God spoke a blessing over him. A voice from heaven, it says, said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Well, that single statement from God set Jesus up for the rest of his ministry. It conferred identity and meaning on him. From there, he went out in the power of the Spirit and was able to face down the enemy's direct attacks in his weakest moment and do everything he needed to do to save the world, which included a whole lot of suffering. He did it all with the foundation of confidence that his Father spoke over him. Those of us who have been in the church for a while probably heard the story of Isaac and his twin sons, Esau and Jacob. Well, the story talks about how Jacob, the second born of the twins, stole his brother's birthright and his brother's blessing. And many people, they've heard the story, but they don't know what a birthright or a blessing is. But in those days, the firstborn son was entitled to the family inheritance, land, possessions, and so on. It wasn't split among all the children like it often is today in America. It went to the firstborn. That was the birthright. And so as the firstborn, Esau was entitled to it all. Well, the story goes that Jacob deceived Esau into agreeing to give Jacob all of the inheritance. It's quite a good trick that was over food. But back then, they kind of had a safety mechanism in place for things like this. The confirmation of an exchange of inheritance required the father's blessing. It was kind of like a verbal signature saying, okay, I agree. Now, I can't get into the entire story in this message, but Jacob then ended up also deceiving his father into giving him the blessing. So he, he stole the birthright, and now he steals the blessing. The story starts in Genesis 25. Isaac then blesses Jacob in Genesis 27 with words where he speaks over him from the dew of the heaven and the riches of the earth. May God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. 
May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. So not only was this spoken blessing a confirmation of what Jacob would receive, but it was a word of destiny. That for whatever reason, whether naturally or spiritually, probably a little bit of both, did something in Jacob that ended up bringing that destiny to pass. Now, immediately after Jacob got his father's blessing, he didn't do such a great thing. He ran. And funny, him running actually, as you're going to see here, I'm going to show you, demonstrates hope for those of us in tough situations or those of us who have loved ones in tough situations, maybe prodigal children or others making destructive decisions. You see, Jacob ran because of the wrath of his brother was on the way. He knew he had deceived him and his brother's wrath was coming after him, so he ran. But he ran eventually right into a meeting with God, where despite his mistakes and all that happened in Jacob's past, and it wasn't great, at this meeting with God in Genesis 32, God then blessed him. Take a look at this. Verse 28, God speaks over Jacob now. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. God blesses Jacob. But with this blessing, Jacob, now Israel, didn't go on and be perfect. He was still in a pretty bad place. He actually went on to deceive his brother again. Did that negate the blessing? Did God take it back and curse him instead? No, he didn't. See, this is a picture of grace right here in the Old Testament. When God confers identity upon someone, that identity supersedes everything else. It's not God saying, I agree with your sin or your lifestyle or whatever. It's God saying, your life is going to be what I say it will. So let me say this to you parents or anyone who's dealing with someone who's doing things that you don't agree with. You speaking a blessing over them isn't an endorsement that you approve of whatever they are into. As a matter of fact, when things are dark, I'd say you should speak a blessing over them all the more. Because it's a way of saying things are going to change. I don't know how. I don't know when. (laughs) That's not up to me. But I believe in you. And I believe in the power of God to work in you. That's what it's saying. Having said that, let me caution you on one thing. So that you don't end up doing the wrong thing. A blessing is not a form or way of manipulation that you can use your words to try to change someone into what you want. No, no. That's called witchcraft. I know we think of witchcraft as hocus-pocus kind of stuff, but scripturally, witchcraft is any means of using your words to coerce someone to act in a certain way. This is not that at all. A blessing is you declaring identity and destiny on someone like God did to Jesus. It's you saying, you are my child, you are loved, I am proud of you. It's you directing God's goodness toward them like Isaac did to Israel. May God's favor touch whatever you touch. It's you thanking God for their life as they are and asking Him to do something with them. This is also the way to change a not-so-loved one, (laughs) what the Bible calls and we call enemies. Most often, all we do is speak curse words to those that we don't like or those that don't like us. And by curse words, I'm not talking about the four-letter kind of words, though some of you, that might be the case as well. 
But in my series, Win With Words, I have an entire message on curse words and what it really means. But essentially, these are negative words of death. So when you speak negatively to those who anger you, don't then wonder why they aren't changing. You're planting those words into them. Probably only make them worse. Jesus said to love your enemies. And the way to do it, he said in Luke 6, is do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Bless those who curse you. Now, that doesn't mean go out and buy them a meal or send them money. Not necessarily. Ultimately, it's saying when they speak bad of you, you speak good of them. You see, as we saw in the mind and mouth cycle here, it's good words that counteract bad words. There's a spiritual thing that happens when you do this. It definitely doesn't feel natural. That's why it's supernatural. You're not going to want to do it. It's hard. But when someone speaks bad of you, speak good of them. Not in a phony way. It's not about you quickly responding when they say you're such an idiot and then you say, well, you're going to be prosperous and happy and enjoy everything in life. It's not about that. It's about being authentic and taking moments to compliment them and call out their positive attributes at the right times. As you see them doing something that is actually decent, say, you know, you're really good at that. You know, I can see you in this this way. You know, bless them. It'll, over time, soften the hearts of even the hardest people. It did the Grinch, right? Cindy Lou Who? She kept speaking kind things to the Grinch, and in time, his heart softened. But blessing doesn't only have to be toward people, but it can also be toward situations. Jesus did this just before the feeding of the 5,000. When word started to get around about all that Jesus did, crowds started to swarm him wherever he went. So he used those opportunities to teach them and show compassion toward them. In Luke 9, a crowded or a crowd formed around Jesus, which include many who had traveled long distances to see him, and they were hungry. And so Jesus told his disciples, feed them. Yet they didn't know how they could. It seemed impossible because they only had five loaves of bread and two fish. So what did Jesus do? In Luke 9, 16, it says that Jesus took the five loaves of bread and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Now this is interesting because Jesus didn't ask, oh, Heavenly Father, please turn this loaf and fish into something to feed everybody. He spoke something into the situation and right into the food that brought God's powerful presence to do the impossible. And you know the story, right? All the people were fed. Ultimately, this is where our idea of a blessing or blessing a meal comes from. Yes, it's a way of thanking God for the food, but it's more than that. It's a way of declaring what the food will do for us. May it nourish us. May it strengthen us. May its calories be taken from us, right? Some of you are facing some pretty difficult situations that might look seemingly impossible. Maybe as impossible as feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Don't curse your situations by speaking something that just plants death into them. Oh, this is going to kill me. There's no way this is ever going to work out. This is the worst. No. 
You know that God is good, so speak His goodness into the situation. May God's favor be upon this. May what was meant for evil be turned to good. May this bank account abound with more than enough. May this job be a setup for a step up. May this test turn into a testimony. May this appointment reveal a good report. The thing about declaring God's goodness is that because of the mind and mouth connection that I showed you earlier, when you speak His goodness, you hear His goodness, and you begin to expect His goodness, and then you see His goodness. And everything just starts to line up from there, whether that's speaking over yourself, speaking over someone else, or speaking over your situation. If you follow me on Facebook, many of my morning posts are in the form of blessings. And these would be a great template for you as you begin to construct your own for yourself and for others. So be sure to follow me there if you don't already. Okay, as I said at the beginning, there is a blessing in the Bible that I didn't yet cover. But I've got to. Because it's the most famous one in the Bible. It's the one written by God Himself. The only one written by God Himself. And I saved it for last because I want to tell you a bit more about it and speak it over you. But before I do, let me tell you how I can help you from here, okay? Especially with a message like this. If I didn't tell you how I can help you, I'd be doing you a disservice. We all know the power of words to uplift or tear someone down emotionally, right? But as we explored in this message, words also have a spiritual power that can alter the core of whatever they are directed. The principle of a blessing is one of the ways to do that, but there are others that are useful for other situations, like for spiritual warfare, for building your own confidence and courage. So I put all of that teaching into a brand new series called Win with Words How to Make Your Mouth Work for You not against you. Win With Words is a four-part audio series where I go through really fascinating neuroscience and Bible study, show you the science and the scripture of how to strategically use your words to win in life. It's almost two hours of teaching. It includes, as I said, four messages, the mind and mouth connection, you are what you speak, curse words, and three words that repel the devil. Request Win With Words today on four CDs or MP3s at kylewinkler.org slash winwithwords. That's kylewinkler.org slash winwithwords. Okay, I mentioned a blessing in Scripture that's the most famous of them all. It's a blessing that not only appears in Scripture, but it's also been found on artifacts like a jar inside of a cave near Jerusalem dating back to the 8th century. It's been found on a Silver amulet, and that's kind of like this necklace thing that they used to wear in antiquity. They found that opposite of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. This is the oldest surviving biblical text. Predates even the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you know about that, by 400 years. And it's the only prayer written by God himself. What is it? It's called the Priestly Blessing. And it's found in Numbers 6, 24. And I'm going to speak it over you here in just a minute. But you have to know that this is the blessing that God told Moses to have prayed over the children of Israel every day. 
This was the blessing that they believe brought his very character, power, and authority into their lives and situations. And because we Christians today are grafted into the family of God, we are grafted into Israel, it's a blessing for us too. So I'm going to pray it over you, and then I encourage you to take it. Number 624. Take it. Pray it over your families too. Pray it over your loved ones. Receive this now. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you and we're here for you too. Every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast and wherever you get your social media. And don't forget wherever you're watching or listening to tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.